Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode about, I'm going to call them generational emotions or generational patterns of emotion, because this is really about when we start to enact the emotions, fears, losses, wounds of someone in a previous generation, be that a parent, or maybe it's their parents, or maybe it's a combination of that and a self from many years ago who went through something really painful and damaging, because so much of what we feel and enact is not ours. Yes, we tend to act out exactly the skills that were passed down to us, but including the voids. However, that includes things that we were not even taught, you know? A lot of them are feelings, like implicit emotional beliefs that are underlying. So the th- I'm talking about the things we don't even know we knew or the things we don't know were imprinted into us that start to show up usually in uh, our, our closest adult relationships. And in general, I would say this is an episode mostly to be applied on yourself if you have a healthy and loving partnership or, or any kind of relationship because a lot of this stuff that comes up is is kind of, you know, misaligned with what we actually want for ourselves and it doesn't really ring true to who we are and our own beliefs when we are not kind of being taken over by that state. So that's my long way of caveating that this is not a way for you to like talk yourself into tolerating more bad behavior from someone who is not trustworthy or saying like maybe it's me because sometimes it's not you. Maybe it's just not a good relationship. Um, So anyway, I think this thing comes about most often when it comes to close relationships and how we express our emotions in these relationships because these are when we become the most um, naked, vulnerable, needy, exposed, and we are also so seen. And they also kind of recreate that situation, that similar dynamic of being reliant on somebody else or vulnerable to somebody else from our upbringing. So they usually uh, kind of start to catalyze what we've witnessed in prior relationships or all the kind of needs and um, the scale of, I guess, all things that represent love. So I would say if you're interested in this topic, there's a great book called It Didn't Start With You that you can check out if you're interested in diving deeper. Um, I'm not, this is, that's not what I'm doing in this show. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, this is more about how you can start to excavate, um, around patterns that are coming up for you in, in your immediate experience of things like this. So it's really about you on you and it's kind of like a way to hack what's happening when it comes up. It's something that I am personally taking apart in myself currently and I'm making progress. So I kind of wanted to share the process that I am going through. For me, what I have been realizing is how I can hear my own, these like scripts come up and I can see my unhelpful responses in these emotional coping skills, including the emotional language and how it was created. And it's almost like watching myself in third person as I see that playing out in my relationship. So that's kind of what inspired this episode. So if you can relate to that, this is an episode for you. So as with all of my episodes, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. 
So generational trauma, also known as transgenerational trauma or intergenerational trauma, is trauma experienced in a prior generation that impacts how we in our current lives cope with and understand our emotions and feelings, including how we deal with any traumatic events. And they also very much affect our values, our fears, and our limits as far as how we deal or don't deal with things emotionally. And we all have this to some degree. Sometimes it's not in the form of trauma. Sometimes it's in the form of like our felt emotional responses or coping mechanisms. For example, what you can expect when you're in a relationship or how to deal with conflict when you're in a relationship or what happens when you are faced with a child who will not listen and you feel powerless or what you worry about once you are fully committed and someone really sees you. So we may start acting out what our parents struggled with or didn't solve or act out their anger, their sadness, their fears. And suddenly it's like we put on a tape, like a VHS player, which is, if you're too young to know what that is, it's like a giant boxy cartridge that goes in a VHS uh, device. And then a kind of a jittery, low-resolution video starts to play on the TV screen. So... In this case, our VHS player is playing this old family video, but through our bodies. And sometimes that's even a relative before your parents. So if something is coming up for you right now, and something you don't like, something that is a, like a powerful emotional force, like f- you feel like a need to run, for example, or you feel like a need to cling desperately to somebody, or you have feelings that are like, you know, like everything is dire and lost or anything that's super sensitive and super severe to a situation that could otherwise be small, I would invite you to ask yourself, whose is this? Is this mine? Or is it possibly someone else's? Including, you know, in those individual instances that something occurs, just ask, just put, try this picture frame on for size. Examine those moments and just ask yourself, take pause is this mine? Is this true? Because whatever, you know, whenever we're doing self-examination like this, it's to do for you. It's not to make someone else change or, you know, acquiesce to somebody else's demands. This is really just for your own personal growth and personal understanding. And I personally feel like it also allows you to grow in your relationship and move past I don't know, any kind of loops that start to come up. Because I think certain loops come up at certain ages, you know, and you might find yourself, like, recreating some stage that may be a little bit more familiar than you think it is. So our behaviors are like a map to the stuff inside, including stuff that is unconscious. And sometimes what is unconscious is, like, an actual belief system that we saw enacted for us, but in fact... Maybe when we were witnessing it in that moment, we thought that it was bunk, you know? Or, you know, maybe now as adults, in our adult experience of the world, that belief system is not true based on the things we have witnessed. Like, it's not actually true based on how we live our lives. In other words, we get, like, emotional fears embedded and emotional patterns embedded, but... In the truth of our adult lives, we don't actually believe in those things. Like, they're not, they're not even real worries for us. So that's the key. Like, you could be acting out stuff 
that you don't actually even think. And it, it's because it's so kind of deeply ingrained. It's like almost like it's, a, it's an unconscious thing. It's bizarre. And if we have things like this, we literally will hear things to mean different things. Like because of the patterns and because of the ways they repeat, um, like things that our parents did or our grandparents did, we will almost interpret somebody else's words as though we are like inhabited in our bodies by like our parents. So it's like you'll even the way that like we're filtering language is warped based on whatever old identity we have kind of present in us. So for example, how this might show up in your life would be like a feeling of like devastation or overwhelm or like feeling like you've completely been cast aside. Something is so melodramatic as a reaction to somebody saying something like, I'm done talking about this. I think we should hang out separately. I don't know. Something like that. And on the other person's side, maybe they meant that to be totally neutral and matter of fact. So we can, in that moment, take apart that sentence to mean something, you know, you could take it apart to mean a a million different things. Let's call these like emotional heads, you know. I don't know if you've seen Return to Oz. You should watch it if you haven't. But there's like this giant closet of all these heads that this person tries on and they're, you know, all different people, basically. So we have our closet full of heads and they're all different people, not just our own. So one head you might be wearing is your mom or one might be you at 16 when you had a terrible abusive relationship and you barely got out of it. Or one might be your mom at five years old when your mom's mom was a really bad drunk, etc. So what I really want to highlight to you is sometimes the pre-programmed response we have to a situation is really big and out of whack. And that response elicits a big and out of whack reaction from the other person. And in this seemingly harmless interaction, we have changed the course of our relationship. Things have gotten heightened. Things have become about the things said. So, so much comes of these kind of heads we try on, for lack of a better way to describe it. Um, So all of these responses that we have, when we can make them conscious and kind of start to hack them and start to like give them names, you know, then we can see them as separate from us. And that's how we begin to make new choices. We start to design this head that we want to put on, even though, you know, our ears may continue to hear the same scary tone or the filter will still be receiving the old signals. Our, our interception can intervene and do some new translating. We can build these workarounds and that's when real change starts to happen. That's when you suddenly grow out of things like this, even if they are so, you know, subterranean, which brings me to part two, the why. CBD, it's everywhere. And what the hell is it really? And what does it do? Well, CBD is one of many cannabinoids found in hemp. And reminder, hemp is marijuana's legal cousin because it only has trace amounts of THC. Among other things, people use CBD to 
help a sense of calm, manage everyday stresses, maintain healthy sleep cycles. So Charlotte's Web is the CBD industry pioneer that kicked off the whole CBD craze. Charlotte's Web extracts are tested 20 times from seed to the final product. And unlike many companies, they have their own proprietary hemp genetics. So the end products are consistent, meaning you know what to expect from bottle to bottle. And as a certified B Corp, they're a mission-driven company, which just means they've promised to help the planet and humanity and all of that great stuff. So go to charlottesweb.com to get started with the OG CBD brand who kicked off this whole CBD craze and use the code HELPMEBEME at checkout to save 15% off your order. And that code will work on all CBD products besides the bulk bundles. Thanks! Now you can be prepared for whatever life throws your way with high-quality meat delivered right to your door. Whenever you need a great-tasting meal, you can trust ButcherBox makes it so much easier. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat of your choosing. Things like humanely raised pork, wild-caught lobster tails, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, sugar-free bacon. There is no better feeling than knowing you can skip the grocery store because there is a variety of ButcherBox meat already waiting for you in the freezer. And luckily, today's sponsor, ButcherBox, is offering our listeners ground beef for life. For a limited time, ButcherBox is giving new members two pounds of free ground beef in every order for the life of your membership. Imagine never having to shop for ground beef again. This deal is a no-brainer. The process is simple. Once you've signed up, you can choose your box and delivery frequency. They offer five boxes. There are four curated box options, as well as the popular custom box options, so you can get exactly what you and your family love. ButcherBox ships your order frozen at peak freshness and packed in a 100% recyclable box, and the shipping is always free. You enjoy great-tasting, high-quality meat delivered right to your door. I like that I don't have to worry about what to cook for dinner because there's stuff in the freezer, and it also forces me to try out new recipes. Tomorrow, I'm going to try lobster. This is your chance to never have to shop for ground beef again. That's right, ButcherBox is giving new members free ground beef for life. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash helpmebeme and get two pounds of ground beef free in every order for the life of your membership. Log on to butcherbox.com slash helpmebeme to claim this deal. Well, I would invite you to read that book if you want to read that book. I mean, that book is really in-depth about other much headier things. My why is really about, it's a pretty cursory one. So we are all products of many generations within our family. Sometimes those patterns show up even if we don't directly have experience of that family. I'm talking about, uh, you know, epigenetics, which is when certain genes express themselves due to the traumatic experience of uh, experiences of our ancestors. And, you know, that that's kind of a universally known thing now. So like in the grandchildren of Holocaust survivors, there's a predisposition towards anxiety disorders due to a compromised ability to cope with trauma as a result of lower cortisol production. If you want to read more about this research, uh, I think the foremost on it is this woman named Rachel Yehuda. She's a researcher you can Google. I'm talking about also morphic resonance, which is basically that we inherit things from past generations on an energetic level. 
And Rupert Sheldrake is the scientist behind this theory. If you're not familiar, um, it's a concept that's very related to collective unconscious. And in other words, we don't need to have things directly embedded in us from any gene codes. We are all very much connected on an energetic level. And so what our ancestors practiced feeling, we too will inherit on a, in kind of a, I guess, a, a spiritual sense. So if that's too out there for some of you to digest, ignore it and let's move on. I am also talking about direct experiences we've had with our family members. And what I mean by that is when it comes to direct experiences, a lot of what we take in is unspoken. It's in uh, what is not said, eye line, um, what is withheld, what is ignored. So all of these meta-communications, this would they would be called as like the communications that are on another level. So these are unspoken contracts, fears, or overcompensations for a fear or lack that one experienced in their own life. So kind of one way to gauge this is like to notice that there are pretty consistent themes or patterns that are generated in um, generations based on whatever that particular population experienced. So like, you know, everybody when everybody in the world is going through um, huge, you know, economic downfalls and like fear and poverty, their children will have similar patterns because of the fact that everyone as a generation was embedding their children with certain beliefs or fears, etc. So that's my very quick why, which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. We're all trying to eat better, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff. There are only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. There are zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. My favorite is the variety pack, which comes with four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. Delicious. And I will say these cereals taste exactly like the ones you loved in your childhood, but they are nutritious. So it's delicious, but it's also super healthy cereal that really brings joy to your mornings or afternoons or nights. So go to magicspoon.com slash helpmebeme to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Help me be me at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash helpmebeme and use the code helpmebeme to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. So the first tool is a, basically, I guess it's a frame of sorts. I want you to get to know your lizard self. You're, so really getting intimate with the fight flight, flight self versus your reflective um, evolved self in the moments when you are heightened or triggered. 
because those selves say different things, they feel different things, they think different things. And we know this on a conceptual level, but it's really weird when you start to get to know them. So this lizard self, this fight flight self, who will come out in those moments when you feel like everything's dire or, oh no, now this is going to happen or whatever emotionally overwhelming thing comes up in your relationships. Just, I want you to jot down in maybe in your journal or if it's like in your phone, describe that person in that moment of reactivity and list out what do they sound like? What are the things they say? For me, that person is very defensive. That person is in a battle mode. That person repeats the same sentence over and over and over again. That person will continue to describe their argument, um, or I should say that lizard. They will um, repeat things that are similar to, like, you can't be mad at me, though, but I, but I was doing it right, but like constantly trying to describe um, to prove this other person wrong. It's like a very myopic, like a very small realm of information is focused on by that self. So just like be familiar with them. See what they sound like. Notice how much they can get done. Not a lot. They usually don't move the, the situation any further. And now, after you're done with that part of the journal entry, I want you to ask, who is the reflective self? Who is the more evolved, you know, the self that has the rest of their brain online? What What are they able to see? For me, that self is usually able to look inward to understand what I've done that could have triggered the other person. That self is able to see different possibilities for the future to come up with different scenarios to be more creative to think um in a way that takes into account what the other person has offered up that that self is a lot more yeah I guess just creative is the best word for it but I want you to do your version of this reflection exercise because it's pretty helpful like as soon as you start to see like Oh, that's the self I am right now. It's really just like giving yourself the amount of time to calm down and step back from the uh, the coil or, or uncoil, I should say. That's the, the snake reference there. Um, the reptile self. Okay, the next tool is called astral projection. It's not really about astral projection. It's, it's my version of astral projection. So I want you to basically see yourself from out of body. See yourself from, I don't mean disassociate. I mean just like see yourself from the other side of the ceiling. Just in, in couple fights especially. But um, any kind of you get um, in like an emotional, heightened, fearful state. We get those fearful, such hyperbolic fear emotions around certain things. Like a lot of people get them around having kids. And like, there's some weird, overwhelming response that our body might have that like, no, but no, I can't have my power taken away. I can't have my freedom taken away from me, whatever it is. Not that everybody has that, but let's say it's about around, um, not having freedom or not having, um, being able to take care of yourself or someone leaving you, whatever yours is. I just want you to now in that fear, knowing it's irrational, 
just get down, get off of your body and look at yourself from the ceiling and ask, is that true for you and how you live your life? Is that an actual true fear that is um, in any way representing things that actually happen in your life? Does that align with who you are and how you live your life? And if not, whose beliefs are those? Where are those beliefs coming from? I think that they're tied to a different emotional response. So if you feel like I can't do blank, if you feel like you can't do something, first thing I want you to do, look at it from the ceiling. Where are those beliefs coming? Are those true? Are you a person who can't do things like that? Is that a pattern you have demonstrated? Is this a thing that is occurring in other areas of your life? No. Then where could those beliefs be coming from? Where could those fears be coming from? It's an interesting experiment. All right, cool. The next tool is called the microcosm or the extreme to the norm. So something worth looking at is just the experience of immediately after, let's say like whatever your pattern is. Um, for me, it's like blowing up and feeling like everything, just burn it all down. Like, fuck, everything's terrible. And then in, it could be within the next 20 minutes, everything's fine. Everything's happy. It's like, no, everything's just immediately fixed. And in that moment of everything being fine, what I want you to look at is in the way, just where you were a minute ago and ask, what, what's that all about? What is that explosion all about? Where is that overreaction coming from? Like, see it for what it is. See it when you're outside of the bubble of the feeling. And just kind of look, look at like, all right, now that I'm normal again, I can see how silly or out of scale that response actually was. And that's, that allows you to like kind of examine it, you know, like you are in the, like a testing room and you're looking through the double glass, like, or the double mirror. Like, what? That was interesting. What was that? What was that coming from? Can we notice that this thing is too big for its own bridges? Like maybe the next time it comes around, like just call it out. Nope. This is that little, uh, that storm that likes to come through here. All right. The next tool, my return to Oz closet. <laughs> Um, or my generational trauma story, whichever name like you like more. So this is kind of a no-brainer. We know it conceptually um, in you know vague terms, but I would say like I think it's helpful to kind of chart out roughly in your family what conditions created your psyche and your emotional coping style and your emotional issues. So I think it's like kind of nice. Just draw a little mini chart. To draw two grandparents leave space above them. Next, put your two little heads for parents and leave space for them. And next, put you. And I would just jot down the points. Jot down, you know, what were the conditions that they were struggling with? What are themes that were coming up in their life? What were uh, the rules, emotional rules, brought on by each generation? And... If you have a more complicated family story than that, that doesn't fit into these generations, I would say just start with those who you would say have played 
the role of parents most closely and then create additional icons for any others who have had kind of a resonant impact on your life. And I would say just any kind of major issues or themes that have popped up in the generations is another way to go. A second version of this tool is, I'm going to call it my heads or my return to Oz closet. And these are kind of just the voices of our pain. So these are the prompts, the journal prompts. In the moment you are having an emotional reaction come up, I would just ask you to jot down, what age is this feeling? Whose voice is this feeling in? And what family myth or story does this feeling represent? So you can label them by personality. You can label them by experience. Like you can say, like, when did this belief come from? And you can also label them by age. Cool. Okay, the next tool is called In the Storm versus Outside the Storm. It's a reflection tool. So this is for if you are in um if you're in a heightened emotional state and things are coming out of you, you know, I think you can ask yourself, is the uh, is the information in control or am I in control? So am I I'm am I the one who is in control of this information or is the information in control of me? Meaning, how how we deliver things and also how we react to emotions is really key in what happens as a result. And so if something is coming up for you, just this is a simple filter, like am I, is the way I am delivering this information aligned with my truest goal? Or is the emotion taking the forefront of the goal? And if the emotion is taking the forefront of the goal, how can you create space and perspective in that moment or in that interaction. Maybe you have to put it away till the next day, you know? Like how we deliver things, if it's not constructive, it's really, uh, you're letting the emotion get away with you. I do want to also just call out that emotions are activating and they are helpful and they can also move us into healthier and more self-protective places. So I would only use this tool if you're, you know, if your emotions are not helping you in a situation, if you don't feel like they're aligned with what you want. All right, the next tool, an oldie and a goodie, Tara Brock's pause. And that just means literally practice taking a beat to deny the automatic response you would have. So just practicing withholding. So in my example I always use is like right before you take a bite of food, you stop and say one one thousand. Like if you're automatically gonna like start inhaling food. Another one is like right before you brush your teeth, deliberately pausing one one thousand. And it's just strengthening your ability to take a beat and to not react. Just it's like building that reservoir of strength. Um, and the goal is to be able to pause in the moment of us having a very visceral emotional response instead of just jumping into that response. Okay, cool. And the next tool, install Loverly, which is my play on Grammarly. Basically, if we could install a spell check that would filter out all of our words that are not loving or that are not helpful or not proactive, like on our emails and also in the way we talk, 
just imagine we could do that because if we could treat our partners the same way you would treat, you know, coworkers or strangers with self-respect and mutual respect and it's it's like you can be stern and communicate what you expect but also give them reasoning and you can just narrate how you're feeling and what is. This is also great a great tool for children talking to children. I was going to throw this in here. I mean, this is really it's like I'm kind of like transcribing directly from my journal into this episode, but I personally found this really helpful because when it comes to kids, they are also direct recipients of our generational trauma. So what we lacked in demonstrated skills, like emotional resources, um, we we lacked lack in our adult lives and lack in our ability to raise children. So like we can actually teach new skills to ourselves. And it all comes from being able to slow down and alter that response. And I'm throwing this stuff in here because it's something that I'm working on. I feel like I'm the most reactive after a day of caring for both kids. So these are just Sarah's quick notes about parenting. And everyone has their own style. It's a very polarizing topic. So if this is not for you, skip it. Take what helps and leave the rest. So above all with children, treat them with respect. Um, It's really especially when you have emotional responses, like it's about labeling the facts and labeling your, labeling your expectations and pointing out a way for them to be helpful. So another couple of notes I would pass along is when a problem is persistent, it's complex. Um, be assertive without being punitive. So express disapproval without insulting them, abusing them, if you can say I'm so angry, um, but then I'll give them a way to be helpful, give them a way to solve it. So it's really about giving them um, some sort of way to make it right. And one thing that I have a really hard time with that I would throw out there is not using name their name to discipline them because then they associate it with something negative. Um, so you can say things like, I expect that blank will happen. I expect you to do blank. And that is just <laughs> literally the post-it note of things I'm trying to do right now, if it helps you. And that is, those are my tools. So a little bit all over the place. I hope this is helpful in some way. Um, before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Ari, a new sponsor on Patreon. Thank you. And an amazing donation from Catherine. Thank you so very much. And a new Patreon, Madeline. Thank you. and Or Madeline. And Christine, also a new sponsor. Thank you so very much. Anyone out there who has the means, uh, donations really help this show. And if you don't have the means, I totally understand. Um, if you could share it with somebody that needs it, that would be wonderful. Or if you can leave a review on iTunes, love, love, love to read those as well. Thank you so very much. So in closing, when we do inner work, we can be creative. Like we can choose a healthier way of responding. And it's all about just consciousness. It's about awareness and that delay. You know, an awareness of our triggers, lessening feelings of shame, guilt, and fear. And also being able to have that moment of pause where we can allow for some insight to come into the situation. I think a lot of the time when we pursue a certain way of thinking emotionally, like 
we create a chain reaction of responses from another person in our life. And that interaction creates the situation that like narrates the way things go. And I would say like, a, you know, that in itself is kind of a, a big cause of conflict, not whatever the origin of the issue was, you know, it's not even about the first thing. It's about like that little, all of a sudden it gets bigger and bigger, and bigger. So when we can get conscious in something like that and we can see whatever thing, whatever overreaction we're having as something old and not our own, then it's, it's squashed. Like we, we have to repeatedly become conscious in that moment, but you know what? You, once you know it, once you see it in that third person, like once we see ourselves from the ceiling, we're like, oh, this is that thing that's happening. I can see the difference. I can see the difference between me and this. Once you see that, you don't forget it. You know it exists. And you don't ever unknow that. So then it's about practicing putting it down and putting it down and taking over the wheel from your unconscious processes. And eventually it just gets weaker and weaker and weaker until it's like, you know, the turnaround time gets shorter and shorter and shorter. It's awesome. So if that's something I'm working on, I invite you to work on it too if it's, if it's happening for you. And either way, I send you my love. Don't forget to smile.